Man, we have stuff to talk about. The Dodgers have spent a billion dollars like it's nothing. The Twins are actually making cuts internally, apparently, to save a little bit of money. Uh, We're going to get into Roy's view of Joe Ryan. We're going to get into Lavelle's optimism or lack thereof around Byron Buxton's knee. This is Chin Music. This is our baseball show at TalkNorth.com. Best way to listen to this show or any show you like on our network, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. We're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studio. We also want to thank All Energy Solar and Twill in the Dining Galleria. Thanks also to our producer, Brandon Morton. Check out one of our newer shows, Dawn of Sports, uh, with Dawn Mitchell from Fox 9. One of her first guests was Jim Cott, who was was great. Uh, And she's had a lot of really cool people on that show. All right. Let's start with the Dodgers, uh, then we will get into a a personnel move with the Twins that, you know, Lavelle and I uh, are rather sad about. But let's start here. The Dodgers go out and spend $1.1 million on pitching. They trade for a glass now. They already had maybe the best roster in baseball to begin with. Uh, So the easy thing to do if you're a baseball fan in smaller markets, throw your hands up, say we got no chance. Baseball history tells us you do have a chance. Dodgers, for all their spending over the years, all the spending the Yankees have done over the years, they do not win as many championships as their payroll indicates they should. So let's start with Roy, uh, Southern California kid, made his home in Minnesota. What do you think of this, uh, both for the Dodgers and for for baseball in general? Uh, well, uh, being an American League guy and, and a fan of the Twins, I'm just glad they went to the, they went to the National <laughs> League. <laughs> yeah, there is that. Um, and you know, I here's the thing. I I think that is there is still obviously a chance for every other team. You never know what's going to happen. It's still you have to play it out. It depends on performance and lack of injury. Um, and, and so you know, it's. It, there's that. I mean, there's always you just keep you know trying to do the best you can uh, with your uh, with your team, with your personnel, with with your own team's performance, and you play it out. Uh, having said that, the one thing that I the one thing that I will say I, is uh, that's that's an okay. I don't know if it's a positive, but it's okay with me. You know, there were there was a there was a Broadway play done about the damn Yankees, right? And yeah. and, and you know, everybody wanted, has always for years and years and years and years wanted to hate, hate the Yankees. And um, I think the Dodgers are putting themselves in that position. And given that they're uh, where they are from a profile standpoint, uh, I I I think that's a good thing. I mean, let's hate. Let's hate either coast, one in the American League and one in the National League, and I think it'll be actually be good for baseball. It, it, the Dodgers are going to show up in towns all over the country like the Yankees, and uh, believe me, I, I I know this from from playing with uh, with the Yankees for almost three years. It was an event when when we showed up in town. I mean, when you know the bus arrived at various places. I mean, there were people that knew it was a Yankee bus, and and there were people that came out. You know the ballparks and all that kind of stuff, and it's it's going to be the same for the Dodgers. It's going to be you know national phenomenons uh, when those teams uh, arrive and and when those teams are on television, and it's it's probably going to be good uh, for the game in in uh, in that way. So we have the obvious negative, you know. Geez, we got you know these teams. Uh, everybody else is priced out uh, because these teams have such big. Local radio and TV uh, revenue—they can spend more more money than anybody else. But in the final analysis, I, I don't think it's all that bad. <laughs> Lavelle, 
Um, it's exciting when these stories break out. And yeah, the Dodgers have spent over a billion dollars now on two players. And um, they've effectively won the offseason. But as we've seen time and time again, the team that wins the offseason does not necessarily win uh, in the regular season. Uh, remember, it was what, two, three years ago, uh, White Sox made a bunch of moves and everybody's like, oh, the White Sox won the offseason. And uh, they ended up having a disastrous year like the White Sox normally do. So, I, um, uh, I mean, it's you, you, you read, you open up the computer uh, this morning. You're reading about Yamamoto joining the, joining the Dodgers, and the great line I read this morning was that you'll probably have more Dodgers hats in Tokyo than Giants hats, and they meant Yomiuri Giants, you know, <laughs> <laughs> because of the interest is going to. Uh, spike and the Dodgers are standing. I bet you they could get another thirty to fifty million dollars in sponsorship revenue just from Japanese companies that are going to jump on the Otani Yamamoto trade. So um, it, it's exciting. It's exciting news overall for baseball. Um, you know, Otani was like the most compelling free agent, you know, in of this generation. And Yamamoto is probably the most talented guy coming out of Japan in years. Um, so definitely headline grabbing. Um, I give the Dodgers credit. I mean, they, they, Otani was able to sign a contract that was a cap friendly to them. Um, that's deferred apparently without interest. <laughs> and uh, that allowed them to go out and sign someone like Yamamoto. So um, San Francisco Giants fans aren't happy. Um, they could run out tomorrow and sign Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery. And it still wouldn't have the impact of uh, what the Dodgers have done. But, you know, you just got to wait to play the games. It's it's newsworthy. It's great to hear this around Christmas time, especially when uh, there wasn't a lot of activity at the winter meetings. So um, it's uh, it's quite eye-opening. Yeah, that is a good way to put it. Hey, our lineup is Roy Smalley, former Twins All-Star, current Twins broadcaster, Lavelle Neal, columnist the Star Tribune. I'm Jim Suhan, also from the Star Tribune. Uh, I think you make a good point, Roy. I always feel like the it, baseball is at its best when the Yankees – and other big market teams are relevant, but they don't win at all. I, that's what I love, you know, and they're good enough to hate them, good enough that if you beat them, it means something to you, but you don't have to watch them uh, spraying champagne in the Yankee Stadium. And now, now baseball fans have three really easy teams to hate. The Yankees because of the Yankees, the Dodgers because they're outspending everybody by ridiculous amounts, and the Astros because they cheated. And, and having teams <laughs> to hate is a good thing. I agree. I agree. You always uh, it's, uh, the best stories have a villain. They have a hero, and there's definitely three villains of Major League Baseball, and one of the other 27 teams could become a hero next year by uh, defeating them and winning the championship. So I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, as much as we hate it, I mean, baseball is rocking and rolling when the Yankees are playing well. Um, number one media market uh, in the country. Um, uh, the, just the, na- the nationwide scope of the Yankees. I mean, there's Yankees fans in every road city. You know, there's Yankee fans in this region because of Roger Maris from this region. Um, you know, I remember Dave St. Peter told me um, that, you know, they would come down from North Dakota as a kid because his dad was a Roger Maris fan because Roger Maris played in North Dakota for a little bit in South Dakota. So that's how, that's how the brand, the Yankees brand is spread across the country. So, um, as Roy pointed out, whenever the Yankees bus show, shows up, whenever the Yankees come to town, uh, the fans come out from it and from everywhere. And it's almost like that with the Red Sox, too, a little bit. So and they can be hated, too, just because of the Red Sox uh, as well. You can 
make it maybe three and a half teams that can be despised, <laughs> and even, even though the Red Sox are kind of in a downward spiral here. But it makes it makes our baseball lives interesting when uh, when the the villains are being villains. <laughs> so, well, you're saying there's three hates and a and a strong distaste. Yes, yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way to put it. All right, uh, let's get in. So, the Twins obviously are not going to spend much money. I ran into a Twins fan last night at the Wolves game. We're recording this on Friday, and he was like, "God, Twins are going backwards." And I thought about him. That's an interesting thing to say because. I understand you might be frustrated because they're not going out and getting Hoskins or a top line free agent, and they're not going to. Um, I get, I get that. You know, you see a player sitting out there who might be perfect for this lineup, and if you outspend everybody, you get the player. That's that's always enticing. But I don't think they're going backwards, and I'm interested in your opinions. Uh, I'll start with mine, which is that I see the bullpen. The bullpen could be better. Uh, they had tons of injuries last year. They lost their guy who was supposed to be their setup guy. Gave them almost nothing for physical and mental reasons. And I'm looking at next year, you know, Varland and Stewart, uh, Thielbar. I mean, they, I think the bullpen's going to be better. I think the rotation will probably, guessing even after whatever moves they make, will probably be a little less effective. Because you're, it's going to be hard to replace Sonny Gray. But I don't think those guys are going to need to pitch a lot of innings. And if Royce Lewis is who I think he is and is healthy for a whole season and they get more out of Buxton, they're going to get more out of Correa. I, I think the lineups will be better. So I'm actually an optimist. Where are you with this, Roy? Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. And what I would add um, to that is, uh, it, you know, if you're not going to go out and get a Reese Hoskins type of player, I, I'm going to go back to what our conversation was, I think, last week about, about Brooks Lee, uh, you know, potentially Austin Martin. But I, I think the Twins they are indicating they think Brooks Lee is going to be a player. Yeah. And I uh, I think the lack of uh, even wanting to have a stopgap, you know, right hand hitter in the lineup uh, while they wait, I, I I think it just I they're making a bet that uh, Brooks Lee is going to be in the big league sooner rather than later, and that he's going to have an impact, a big impact, a Royce Lewis kind of impact sooner, you know, rather than later. These are the kinds of decisions that you know, earn them their money or get them, you know, fired at some point in time. But um, not that not that it's that critical uh, for for the regime right now. But uh, but these are the kind of decisions that you're paid to make. And uh, I think that's where they've gone. I think you're right about the bullpen. Absolutely right. But, you know, barring injury, I think you're absolutely right about the bullpen. I think that um, Chris Paddock is a big league pitcher. He's going to fit somewhere maybe you know hopefully as a starter what i saw in the playoffs last year were secondary pitches uh, especially the changeup that were it's like well, where did these things come from and you know we'll get into that a little bit with joe ryan and you know what the difference is uh but i mean he was throwing 97 96 97 with a nasty breaking ball and a nasty changeup, and he just made the opposing hitters look look silly so um, I don't think they're uh, necessarily going uh, backwards, and if but and the big if, of course, is Buxton. And if if he play if Buxton plays 120 games next year, and and Paddock's okay, uh, they're going and and now Brooks Lee comes on, they're going to be they're going to be very very good. Yeah, I agree with you, Lavelle. Yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to. I'm not trying to uh, give the Twins a pass because I think it's a bummer that they can't take a step forward. 
from a roster building standpoint after um, the year they had in uh, 2023. But um, there's there's just a lot of upside with this team, especially on the offensive side with with Royce Lewis and and Edward Julian and Walner and uh, hopefully a healthier Kirilov. I'm probably missing one other young guy as well. There's upside with this lineup. Uh, and even, you know, even if Buxton has some issues again next year, which, I mean, we all hope he doesn't, um, the offense still could be better just because of guys getting more experience and hopefully Lewis being in the lineup all year. So uh, from an offensive standpoint, they could be just as good, if not better, uh, next year. And especially if Correa uh, doesn't wait till uh, September or October <laughs> to start hitting, um, that would be a big boost as well. But um, there's still upside there. And um, the bullpen really looks like it could be a force, um, especially if Rocco can convince Varlin to work out of the bullpen with with Stewart and some of those other arms there. You know, and in addition to Brooks Lee, you know, David Festa is a right-hander who could um, have an impact on the 2024 Twins. You know, Matt Contarino, I think, uh, could be healthy and, and firing away as well. And those are guys who have definitely have talent. So, um yeah, this is not it's not a teardown. It's more of a, it's more of a reload. And, you know, the timing was right. They were coming off a, a good year. Um, they had some guys in the last year with their deals that they couldn't resign. But right when they had younger players ready to step in. So it, it, it it's going to be a softer landing than I think fans are, are thinking um, in 2024. Yeah, and I'll go back to my old truism. The teams win because of their farm system and the ability to to use that farm system for trades or build around the best young players. Correct. Right now are in good shape in that way. And the division still fairly weak. We want to get to Joe Ryan. Uh, we want to talk about a friend of ours. Uh, we want to talk about uh, Buxton. And then uh, next week's show is going to be a storytelling show. There's not much news going on. So we're just going to tell some of our favorite life and baseball stories. Check that out as well. Also check out our new Dawn of Sports show uh, with Don Mitchell. Uh, and uh, thanks for listening to TalkNorth.com. We do appreciate it. So we're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studios. Thanks to Aquarius Home Services. Ho, ho, ho. The holiday season is here, and so are the cold winter temps. Is your old, worn-out furnace keeping you warm? Aquarius Home Services is here to help keep you cozy all year long with our holiday super sale. Give your home a cozy, comfy, worry-free upgrade and enjoy 25% off a new whole home heating and cooling system. Visit AquariusHomeServices.com today and schedule your free in-home consultation. Aquarius, earning the right to be recommended. All energy solar panel installations are done right and made easy thanks to more than 14 years of experience in Minnesota and beyond. All Energy Solar is ready to take any solar project from design to installation and everything in between. Find out more about going solar at allenergysolar.com slash coach. And I also want to thank uh, my friend Scott Dayton, who runs Twill in the United Gallery. That's Twill by Scott Dayton. It's his shop. He controls everything. He has great brands. I highly recommend the Stenstrom's dress shirts and all the Stenstrom products. They wear like iron. They look great. So check out twillmn.com. All right. Hey, uh, I don't think this is widely spread information at this point. Uh, I think Lavelle's going to have it in his column over the weekend. But Rob Anthony, the longtime Twins executive, started off as an intern in 87, saw that championship, uh, became close with Tom Kelly and a lot of the, the key figures on the great teams uh, ends up being PR director, then going off and working in scouting, uh, minor leagues, player development, has done all kinds of different, ended up being a vice president, for, and he's a Minnesota kid. 
played high school baseball in Minnesota, <clears throat> excuse me, played high school baseball in Minnesota, ends up uh, playing, you know, working for the hometown team as they win championships. Uh, and, you know, Lavelle and I dealt with him directly a, a lot, whether it was a, as a PR director or somebody who could talk about minor league talent in the organization. And, you know, he, he became a good friend and somebody we really valued. And, uh, and I hate to see it happen. It looks like the twins are trying to, to cut in certain areas to save money behind the scenes, you know, with the announcers and scouts and now Rob and uh, you know, I'm not inside. I don't know what needs to be done or what, how much money they're saving or whatever else. I just, I just hate to see people like Rob go. Yeah. Rob was definitely a good man, hard worker, honest guy, um, reliable person, uh, well-liked, um, did whatever was needed to be done and had, had the type of background, you know, you know, working for Terry Ryan, breaking in with Terry Ryan, you know, he had a chance to do a lot of different things. And yeah, he was able to wear a lot of hats and uh, and be effective in many different ways. And he was interim uh, GM for a while after they decided he to was. part ways from uh, from Terry Ryan. Uh, it's right before Falvey came along. So uh, it's definitely a bummer. As someone who uh, was a great resource to talk about the base, uh, talk about the game and and get some ideas of, you know, how the Twins are appro- approaching things. And uh you know, well known around the league as well. Um, you know, this was his 36th year in organization, which is just mind boggling. I think he was the longest tenured uh, employee in the baseball operations department, and uh, he will be missed. And it sounds like you know they're going to allocate like the resources to pay him to hire more analysts, uh, so they can drill down even more in the research and development. Um, I don't know if it's a good thing or it's a bad thing, but. Um, it was definitely is a bad thing is that Rob will not be around the ballpark. Yeah. Um, so I'm saddened by that. Rob was a uh, very good to me as a new baseball beat writer, helped me get to know Tom Kelly and the staff very well. Uh, and like you said, honest. And you now that's one thing I will say about the twins organization, uh, especially as a columnist, you know, we, we get to see all the organizations. I just don't know that I've run across a more honest group of people. You know, just they might not tell you what you want to know, but they won't they won't purposely steer you in the wrong direction. And Rob was a big part of that whole mentality. All right, let's uh, move up back on to baseball. Uh, let's go to Roy. Uh, we wanted to talk about Joe Ryan. What your level of optimism or concern is with him coming in off you know kind of a spotty second half last year. So the issue with Joe for me is, I, I mean, it's it's the good news and the bad news. The good news is that fastball plays in the big leagues. I mean, it absolutely plays, especially up in the zone. He's very successful. He gets guys really uh, uh, agitated, anxious about uh, being able to hit the fastball. And so that is step number one for any big league pitcher, you know, have a big league fastball that you can, where you can get people out and where you can get hitters in a hurry, and Joe Ryan can do that. That's why he's had the success that he's had. And to this point, it has it, it without a really good slider and changeup, which he's or slurve, whatever he wants to call it, sweeper, whatever he wants to call his new breaking ball, and and the uh, and the and the changeup, the fastball has been effective, as I say, up in the zone and around the perimeters on the corners. Uh, it's been very, he he can almost be a one pitch pitcher when his control is, is pinpoint like that. When it's middle, middle, uh, guys are so on the fastball now because they don't really believe in Joe's secondary pitches. So they're, they're on the fastball 
And when it happens to get in the middle of the plate, which it's going to for every pitcher, you know, once an inning, it seems, um, then they hit it. And, and they don't, they're not missing that, uh, that fastball from knee to mid-thigh high. Um, they're just, they, they're not missing it because they're not worried about uh, secondary pitches. So that brings us to what's, what is my concern about, uh, about Joe? And that is, as I've thought about it, I, I wonder why can't he get more snap on the slider or the breaking ball, the slurves, you know, whatever he wants to call it, sweeper. And uh, why can't he get a little bit more depth and movement on the changeup? And my, this is my concern. Uh, my concern is the arm angle from which he throws that makes him so sneaky fast with his fastball with a 92 93 mile an hour fastball that plays 97 up in the zone because of because he gets underneath the ball and uh and pushes forward it he gets all that all that carry and, and all that deception on the fastball and i'm just i just wonder if from that arm angle and i don't you know i know a lot about pitching from a from a hitter standpoint and from standing out at shortstop for a lot of years trying to figure out, you know, as I watched our pitchers throw where hitter, what hitter, how hitters were reacting. Then I, 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 I know a lot about it in that way, but I don't know about pitching mechanics and arm angles so much, but it concern it. I wonder if his particular arm angle uh, w- will make it difficult for him to get on top of sliders to get really sharp, trajectory that he wants and it on top of change up so that he gets more movement and and uh, more depth i just don't know but that's my concern because the problem that he had last year was when the fastball wasn't perfect and the fastball is not going to be perfect all the time you got to have a second and third pitch and i just wonder about that you know the, the thing that um just troubled me was that his season took such a hard right turn when he had that outing in uh, in Atlanta when they ambushed him with a, for, with a bunch of home runs, and then it was learned afterward that he had like tweaked a muscle or something. Well, I think he tweaked his groin muscle while warming up and decided to pitch with it. Um, was that just an excuse, or was that really uh, an injury? Um, we never really got more clarity on that situation, but it seems like his season really got spotty after that after that outing and even when he went on the IL and came back, he still wasn't super sharp. Um, I know is this is that after his first, you know, two, three seasons in the majors, you still see a guy who I have, I think is a guy who can win 15 games in this league and, and, and win between 13 and 17 games a season going forward, uh, just because of the hit fastball and plus the confidence in throwing the fastball too, uh, the movement he has off of it. And I'm sure he's going to continue to strive to get better. He went to driveline last year to uh, tweak his mechanics and work on his uh, his uh, off-speed pitches. And I would imagine he's doing the same thing this off-season. Uh, he's always trying to think his way through things and and stay a step ahead of the hitters. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if we get to spring training next year and uh, find out that Joe's got uh, yet another pitch or has – found uh, a few more inches of movement on um, one of his existing pitches to help him take that step forward. So uh, I, I just, I just like, I like him on the mound, like his demeanor. Um, and I think the results are going to eventually follow. 
You know, I, I agree with all of that stuff, and it plays into uh, just what I'm talking about. You would think that a young pitcher with his talent, with his mental toughness, with his confidence, with that fastball, uh, you know, ultimately he's going to develop secondary pitches that uh, will complement, and he'll be a 15 to 17 game winner. I, I, you would think that. My concern is that he went to drive line, he did all that stuff. The secondary pitches didn't get any better. There was not a, a any really gigantic improvement. There was so he went to more of a sweeper than a slider. But I mean, the effectiveness against hitters was no different. And I just wonder if, you know, arm angle has something to do with it, because I would tell you that he's not going to be if if those secondary pitches get don't get better, significantly better. He's not going to win 15 games. He's going to win 10 games against teams that, you know, that aren't that aren't good. Uh, you know, that the game against Atlanta, the reason it went south is he threw a lot of fastballs in the middle of the play to really good fastball hitting team. And maybe it was his groin. Maybe it shook his uh, his demeanor just a little bit, trying to be too pinpointed because he he had trouble more trouble with his fastball even after he got back uh, than we've seen him have before. And so, I mean, I'm with you, Lavelle. I I like everything about him except my. I just wonder if you know drive line or not. If if uh, there's if he actually is going to develop secondary pitches he's got a, one of the most different and interesting arm angle release uh points uh and, and that there is and i i just wonder i i just wonder that i mean that's if that's going to be his greatest strength and his greatest weakness in terms of developing uh off-speed stuff Good breakdown. Good stuff. Next week, uh, we're going to do a storyteller's uh, version of Chin Music for the holidays. Uh, Getting to some of our favorite stories we've told, maybe some stories we've never told. Um, Looking forward to that show. And then the week after, we will be talking about baseball in general, the Twins specifically, and we'll have Lel give us a better idea of what he expects from buying Byron Buxton. For this week, thank you for listening to Chin Music. Thank you for listening to TalkWork.com, and we'll talk to you soon.